Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 and we're back. So a little birdie told me that we missed our 30th episode. Dirty Thirty was what? last week. I know. And so we're fully grown now. You know, we've decided not to stress the show. is not stressing about not being married or having kids, right? We are an I-N-D-E-P-N-D-E-N-T podcast. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> exactly. And so this is Tiffany. And Mandy. And today's the show. Today is an amazing show. I'm really excited for this show, you guys. Because, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I heard that we have a special guest coming. We do. We don't do guests often, but when we do, they are amazing. And today's guest is going to be no exception. Um, her name is Adrian Smith. And you may not know her name now, but keep watching because she is an up-and-coming professional tackle women's football superstar. And I know that you may not know about women's tackle football because until a few months ago, I did not know either. But across the country, in America, there are over 3,000 women who are actually paying to play tackle football and hardly anybody knows about it. But for the love of the game, they are playing, they're pouring their hearts out on the field. And I just completed a pretty exhaustive feature story um, for Yahoo on women's tackle football. And I thought I would have Adrian come on the show and just talk to us about what it's like to play the game, what the stigmas are like, you know, being a woman, trying to break barriers in, in football. And not only that, but how she juggles a football career with two side businesses. No big deal. I know. No big deal. Just, you know, just rocking out like a freaking rock star. No wait, big deal. Wait, wait till you hear her workout regimen. What is it? We talked about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. <laughs> I, I know. No, I thought that you, It was so talking. incredible. It blew Tiffany's mind. And she does not remember what it was. <laughs> I, oh, let me stay focused. But no, she was incredible. All right. Well, that's coming up later in the show. Uh, we still really would love you guys to email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com if you have any money or career questions or just want to comment on the show. Um, and please leave. We haven't asked in a while, but please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Um, it's a really good way for people on iTunes to be able to find the show and leave us a review. If it's a good one, if it's a bad one, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. And tweet us, tweet us, tweet us at the BA Podcast. Um, so how was your weekend? It was pretty awesome. I went someplace super special that is so in alignment with Brown Ambition. I actually went to the taping of Black Girls Rock. I'm glad you're staying on theme. Yes, I am. You know, I am a black girl, so I'm trying to rock <laughs> out. Um, no, but it was so amazing. Like it, I've been to one of the award shows um, before, and I just love that they tape right in Newark, woot woot, Newark, where I live. And um, I, I actually volunteered for their summer um, leadership academy that they have for girls called Black Girls Lead. And as like a thank you, and I was not expecting it, they sent the people who volunteered they sent us free tickets and I was like, woohoo, we had good tickets too. And it and this, was, this isn't air until tomorrow, right? Or Tuesday. So people yeah. get a little, get a little preview. So I'm going to give you just a, just a little snippet because we're not supposed to talk too much about it, but I'll give you a little snippet. It was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was honestly like the performances were all amazing. Rihanna was there. She was great. She was like, so cute. was like, there's a bunch of kids. Well, you're not going to see it in the video, but when they weren't taping, like a bunch of everyone's like niece and nephew were like going up to her and she was so like gracious and she like teared up when she got her award. Gladys. Oh, you know, I saw Shonda Rhimes' daughter met Rihanna. Yeah, she did. And Shonda Rhimes was there, it was oh. amazing. 
Um, did you just, oh, well. when you walked in, did you just feel like all this electric energy? And I feel like I would just pass out from the magic. It was, honestly, what it was, it was just, it was just so positive and great. Like, there was this little girl next to me who was like, got up out of her seat. It was like, just like intently staring at the stage, watching everything that was going on. And I just thought, this is so great. This little girl has to be about six years old. And she's just watching all these amazing women that look like her rock out. And I'm just so glad she's here. And there were so many young women in the audience. That made me really happy. That's what I was wondering. Are a lot of, yeah, how young is, how young is the audience? Is it mostly young girls, teenagers? No, it was mostly adults, but a lot of people brought their kids. Like, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say majority like adults, but, you know, people brought like groups of kids with them, young women, especially um, girls, just so they can see. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross was hilarious. Honestly, she's like my BFF. Like, she's my spirit animal because oh, she is freaking silly, like silly on silly, but then so dope. She seems like she's so happy and fun, but like not the kind of happy and fun where you want to punch her in the face. You know what I mean? She's like, it's infectious. Even just going through and following her on Instagram, I'm like, look at Tracy booty bumping. She's so funny. Like, (laughs) I don't like this. And I never like celebrity stuff, but I always like Tracy. (laughs) But honestly, and that's the thing. What I like so much about her is that she was just so cool. Like, in between, like, taping segments, they had to tell her, like, all right, Tracy, calm down. Because she was talking to the audience, laughing, giggling with people that she didn't know. Like, and, like, they'd be like, all right, Tracy, back on stage. And she's like, all right, I'll be right back, okay? (laughs) She she was amazing and her opening number oh my god wait till y'all see it it was amazing i'm like look at tracy her opening number is everything does she I'm sing just, dance what does she do she i'm just gonna leave it as she dances a little bit and it's you're just gonna like it you're gonna be like so don't be late like when it airs tonight you want to make sure that you are there from the beginning because the opening number is everything and more i don't want you getting arrested by the bet police so yes yeah, so i'll just i'll just leave it at that that opening number like there were, who else was there that was who was, pretty- who was best dressed you know, I didn't really like what Brianna had on. I'm not gonna lie. She did like the mink coat with like the uh, the jean yeah. dress or whatever. And it was mm-hmm. yeah, it was weird because honestly, it was like 75 degrees in Newark that day. <laughs> so Brianna, we like, Brianna, I feel like her style has liter- has become. Let's let everyone feel like I didn't even put a zero iota of thought into this outfit <laughs> ensemble. I know, so it wasn't really. I'm trying to think who was best dressed. Meanwhile, I'm sure it cost him like half of that, a million dollars. Exactly. Um, I would probably say, honestly, like, there were, I don't know. I mean, to me, the best dressed people, honestly, were the, in the audience. You know how brown girls get down. I guess that's not in the spirit of, like, you know, sisterhood, let's not compare and do yeah. best dress list. Okay, fine. Yeah, no, but no, honestly, because it just wasn't, like, it was It was really about the sisterhood. So Hillary did show up. I knew she was going to be there. Speaking so of the like, sisterhood, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So I, I read that her, she had a standing ovation. What was it really like there? So the she, she did get a standing ovation, but to be fair and transparent, everyone got a standing ovation. It was like so much black girl love. Like every performer got a standing ovation. Every like speech got a standing ovation. So yes, she did, but it was, it that was part of the energy of the room that everybody celebrated everyone, you know? She was good though. I mean, her speech was slightly awkward in some senses because it was like she gave a little bit of like a little smidgen of trying to do a little sister girl. Like and I was like, you know, Hilla, just dial it back, be your regular mm-hmm. white woman self, it's fine. And <laughs> well, when that's she- a pretty regular white woman thing to do. I see. It is you know and i'm like okay no but it's like when my mom goes to the nail salon hope she's not <laughs> listening she will all of a sudden start using a vietnamese accent <laughs> and i'm like mom why are you doing that oh they're not going to understand you any better <laughs> if you use a vietnamese <laughs> accent i digress oh, go ahead i know but it's true so she did that a little bit but like you know quickly pulled it back realizing like that's not necessary but she had some really great things to say so it was very cool to see her there People put a lot of pressure on politicians to, like, be... Well, Barack Obama, I feel like, too, got a lot of this, too. Like, oh, is he down? Is he cool? Is He mm-hmm. loosened up toward the end of his presidency. But I feel like with Hillary, she is an old white, white lady pr- yeah, from privilege. Is. Like, I don't think we should expect too much from her. And I and I feel like people put a lot of pressure on her to, to be a certain way and are disappointed if she doesn't sound, you know, sound a certain way. But I, I, I hope that doesn't get in the way of, like, the work she's done. Because she has, yeah. like, has done so much work for women equality. Um, I mean, she has been for decades before it was like the trendy thing, you know, before Emma Watson, Hillary Clinton was there at the United Nations working for uh, women and girls equality, not just in the U.S., but around the world. So I'm just, you know, I, have, I feel the need to defend her just a tiny bit. For and lack, I will say, no, honestly, she, she said something that really resonated. She said um, something to that effect that like basically like 
all children, like we, you know, that one thing we all have in common is that we all want what's best for all children, for all girls that, you know, that, that, that has not happened, unfortunately, in the United States. And that's not fair. So she said something that really resonated. I mean, you'll, you'll listen to it. And I was like, the whole audience was like, there was a collective, like, head nod and mm-hmm and yes, you know? Mm. So she definitely, like, hit some really key points. So, yeah, there, there's some, like, surprise. Uh, there's a surprise guest at the end that I think, you know, people will be surprised to see on the stage perform. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was really great. Honestly, a lot of great performances. The stage looked amazing. I was surprised Lauren Hill showed up. That's a surprise. Well, there you go. You just told the surprise guest. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> that wasn't a surprise. It was on the line. I saw that on the internet. <laughs> that was your surprise? People were going to be saying... so annoyed because like, they, like me, already saw Lauren Hill showed up at the Black Girls Rock. That's funny. <laughs> I, I'm sure they wanted to keep saying it was a surprise even after she showed up. Like, I know, you don't know you what know, she's she... going to do. File she's... a lawsuit. Tell you to like, pull the footage. Well, you know what? Because remember, she was supposed to be at the Grammys and she like didn't get there in time. And so it's like, wow, she actually came. Yeah. And um, yeah, her, her performance, it was all right. I've definitely seen her better. Well, you know, eh. yeah. I saw Brandy was there. I mean, we're getting too much into this, but. Yeah, I know, right? And like, you're going to get me fired. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. <laughs> the internet. I'm telling you, how can you keep anything secret? Um, I, I just anyway. will say that you'll enjoy it. It was really good. Oh, you know who got an award? And I'll just say this because remember that young woman who did a thousand girl blacker books? Yeah. Oh, was she there? We talk about her all the time. Yeah, she um she got an award. It was so great because I know her mom. You know, I, I know her vaguely, you know, because she's just like 11. So I don't know her, know her. But she got an award. And it was just so nice to see because she's from Jersey, from this area. Just so nice to see her get like recognized as a young woman on the rise. So it, that was just really, it was just really nice. So so can you arrange a play date for her and Supergirl? Start, you know, forming that connection. Now? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Honestly, you know, I'm like, you know what? She's 11. So you know how that is. 11 and 9. It's like, oh, she's a baby. Oh. <laughs> but we'll see. I definitely will ask her mom because uh, she has a lot of great programming. So maybe I'll try to get Supergirl into some of her programming. That would be great. Well, um, in the opposite of the spirit of Black Girls Rock, Let's talk about a black woman who's struggling. Ooh, child. This is quite sad. This is quite sad. I grew up watching Martin, and I love that show. I watch reruns even now. Um, so Martin actress, Tisha Campbell Martin, and her hubby, which I didn't even know there was a, a show called Real Husbands of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But I guess there is, and her husband, Dwayne's on it. Anyway, the couple has filed bankruptcy. Yes. And I was reading the details. That, I mean, the celebrity bankruptcies aren't that uncommon, honestly, which is which is sad already. But I was reading the details of this, and they have more than $15 million in debt. They only have a little over $300,000 in assets. And I just – I feel like the more I read about this case, the more depressing it is. And it just makes me so mad because I feel like people are looking at – their neighbor and you know whoever is down the block and these celebrities and they're seeing their fancy car and their fancy shoes and the huge house and they think it's all so easy for them and I'm just going to read a little bit of the details of their case because I just want to show how uh, these people when you don't realize it are just living a lie sometimes so together this couple they they earn a little bit over six seventy six hundred dollars a month which is a lot more than most families okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is it's not like prince money but it's, you're getting there um, their mo- their monthly expenses though, so they only have about seventy six hundred coming in. They're spending close to seventeen thousand dollars a month. Mm. So already you're living way beyond your means. Way beyond your more than way. double. So you know when you see people down uh, driving and they have the Range Rover and all that kind of stuff. So they are over one hundred twenty five thousand dollars in debt on a leased Range Rover. Not only that, but they have a second Range Rover and a Jeep Wrangler, which they just purchased in 2016, apparently. Oh, my goodness. Um, They owe more than $200,000 in tax debt. And if that wasn't enough, they have $113,000 in student loans. I don't understand how this happens. And it's... It's really, it's hard to, to, you know, you don't want to see someone you love as as a fan or whatever fail. But at the same time, I like that the details are public. Because I hope people read this and they realize... That just because you have mm. all the like the trappings of fame yeah. and wealth, that you don't know what's happening behind closed doors or behind exactly. closed bank accounts. Like I was, uh, I remember watching this video of Will Smith talking about when he made his first million. He was really young in his twenties, and he spent it very quickly. And he re- just remembers thinking, like, okay, if I'm fortunate enough to make money again, 
I'm not going to make the same mistake. He was fortunate enough that he had a, a second chance because for some people, you make that first million, you know, with the album or a record or whatever, and that's it. So since then, he's made obviously wiser choices. Choices. Well, is that what he did? Wild Wild West. That was a misstep. <laughs> no, that was. <laughs> it was younger than that. I know that was. Meanwhile, you know he did Wild Wild West instead of doing The Matrix. I'm like, ooh, bet you hate your life. Oh no. Really? Yeah, he, yeah. He. You know what I love about Will Smith is that he is so hilarious. He was like, he, somebody asked him like, did he have any regrets? And he said, you know, not many. But the biggest regret is they came to me to do The Matrix. And when they explained it, it didn't make sense because they were like, so you live in the real world, but there's a fake world that's not really the real world. And so you're supposed to be the master of the real world in a fake world. You want to do it? And he was like, no. Instead, <laughs> I'll do Wild Wild West. <laughs> and the way he explains it is so hilarious. And the fact that he admits that. And yeah, so that was a huge mistake. But no, he was definitely wealthy before then. He, he um, admits it because he's a billionaire now. Yeah, I know. But it's just funny because, you know, it's just the way he even described the way they described the Matrix, like the real world and the fake world. Um, but, you know, just a lot of celebrities fall into the trappings of having to look a certain way versus being a certain way. There's this great book called, and I'm sure you've heard of it, The Millionaire Next Door. Mm, oh, yeah. Love it. Love that you book. Know, because they really illustrate that most American millionaires are not what you think. They are the ones that it's the teacher, the engineer, like the railroad engineer, people who have not fallen into the trappings of having to look wealthy so they can actually preserve their wealth. The doctor, the lawyer, you know, you have to, as a doctor, you know, if your doctor is driving a 20 year old car, you're nervous. And so every year he's looking to get a nicer car, a nicer office, a nicer this. So that way he can kind of like show business is doing well. You don't have to worry. You can come here. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he doesn't get to keep as much money because he's keeping up versus like, you know, maybe a teacher. When I was a teacher, I mean, I had like the oldest little car and no one cared because I was a preschool teacher. Meanwhile, I was saving literally about $30,000 a year in cash because I was living so simply and no one expected me to be fancy. And so I wasn't. And so within like a year and a half, I had about forty to $50,000 saved and I bought a home. Um, so yeah, having like the trappings of wealth definitely can trap you. And I just feel bad for them because it's very embarrassing. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. And I'm just like, really, they only make that much? It doesn't seem real that they only make that much money a month. I mean, don't they still work? And what about Martin? Don't they, doesn't she get paid off those that residual money? I don't know. Has she been working? I haven't well, seen her in anything for a while. No, she's in My Wife and Kids. Never heard of it. Oh, yeah, I have heard of it. Never watched it. Is that good? Yeah, I, no, I mean, look at me. I'm like, no, but it's on. <laughs> <laughs> that's about that's that $91,000 a month. I don't know what his job is. I don't know. I, I don't know. But you know what? When and this is one thing with these bankruptcy filings, and I I've seen I have family who's done this before. When you're filing bankruptcy, you want to make sure your income looks as low as possible, yeah. right? Yeah. So they could be they could be um, you know not telling the full story here or just you know just discounting some some residuals and things like that. So um, you don't know lawyers will help you with that. Yeah, um, that's just sad. You know, it's it's it reminds me of this new show on Spike TV, which I'm kind of obsessed with. It's called Life or Debt. And if you think that Tisha Campbell, Tisha Martin Campbell's of the world, um, is it the opposite? Tisha Campbell Martin? Tisha Martin? Oh, I don't know. Tisha Campbell Martin, yeah. So yeah. if you think that it's not just the celebrities, like for every celebrity, there's like another thousand million regular people out there who are oh. living this financial lie. Um, and Spike TV has this new series called Life or Debt. And it is like a financial makeover show for these compulsive spenders, these families who on the outside look like they have it all. Uh, there's this one couple... Um, uh, probably in their 30s or maybe early 40s. Uh, they've been together for a long time. They have kids, but they're not married. But she has like a $10,000 engagement ring. She had Louboutin shoes in her closet. The guy's wearing a nice tailored suit, a big fat watch. They have this Range Rover, um, this brand new Range Rover, and they have not been paying their mortgage for 19 months. Wow. 19. That kind of stuff makes me so angry. And not only are they, did they dig themselves in this hole, even after they had this like really badass financial advisor um, come in and give them a new plan to get out of debt and to sell off some of their assets and to get rid of the car and put them on track for, um, you know, a, hopefully a brighter future and start paying that mortgage off. Three months later, they check in and they are not following any of those steps. They've just forgotten about the house. They moved out. They're running from all their debt. And it just reminds me like of watching my other favorite show, which is My 600 Pound Life, mm -hmm. you know, where 
I mean, it's like it sounds, 600-pound people get uh, gastric bypass surgery. Uh, and you see these people and they get the crazy surgery, but their habits don't change. Yeah, and I feel right like, back at it. Yeah, I feel like overeating and overspending are like kind of the same mental, like the same psychological stuff is happening there. I agree. that I think that enough people don't tackle the emotional and mental reason behind the action because honestly, like saving and getting losing weight, it's not rocket science. If you eat less calories, you'll lose weight. That's it. Period. Like there's a scientist that that um had done this uh, interesting study, which I thought was like funny, not funny, but like, you know, funny, not funny, haha, but funny. Hmm. He did the study where he like ate less calories, but all junk food, like Twinkies, this and that. But he ate a low, like he ate enough to be low calorie. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and so he was losing weight eating Twinkies because he wanted to prove that losing weight has not, it's not really about the health quantity or like the health, you know, quotient of the food itself. Really, it's a mathematic equation. Less qu- less calories than you're, than you're burning, you'll lose weight. And so, like I said, it's not rocket science, but there's there's a reason why some people struggle with losing weight. There's a reason why people struggle with finances, because the same thing with money. If you make $100, spend 70 That's it. If you do that or spend 80 So there's not rocket science, but it's like, well, why do some people just have so much trouble with it? And there's some sort of mental, emotional block that needs to be addressed, or you'll be right back at it. And it does make you angry from the outside, but then you wonder, like, why? Why is this happening? What, what is it that's making this person stay here? Why do see people continue to smoke even though it's making them sick? Why do people continue to drink even though it's killing them? Like, literally, there's some people, it's killing you. And the doctor's like, it's killing you, and you're still drinking. <laughs> so what is that, honestly? And I don't know what that is. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a... And I just know that for some reason, there are parts of human nature that... Uh, put us in harm's way um, and unless you address whatever that part is inside of you then you will continue to make those mistakes and it's only yourself who can get yourself out of there if you're out there and I mean I've been there I've been in a cycle of debt I grew up in a household where money was always talked about in terms of like negativity and like the bills are being due and people are fighting and it took me a long time to get over that that sense of fear around money and that sense of fear is what caused me to um, do things like be late on my student loans and put my head in the sand and not check my credit and uh, ignore my finances for, for several years after college um, because I was afraid. I, I always thought, well, when you open the envelopes, it's bad news, right? It's not always bad news. I mean, I had the money to pay my loans, but I just wasn't paying them. I mean, that's mm. it took me it, it took me, you know, to lose my job and to, to fall on my butt pretty hard to uh, to to have that tough realization that I have to start paying attention. Um, I don't know if these people can be saved, honestly, but uh, definitely check that show out. It's called Life or Debt. If you want to feel better about your life, I highly <laughs> recommend it. I felt really good about my situation. Real good. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. It's just crazy when you look at stuff like that because you're just like, oh my gosh, but it happens and you hopefully, my mom would always tell me that you can either learn the, you can learn the lesson by watching the lesson or you can learn the lesson by living the lesson. And I was like, I think I like to watch this one. <laughs> You know, let me stand on the outside and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I don't want to go in that direction. Thanks for showing me. I'm going to do the opposite of what Tisha Campbell Martin has done. Just yeah. just can I, can I order that life, but like the opposite of everything? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take a little bit of the opposite. Okay, Brown Ambition fam, we are back, and I am so excited to introduce um, our guest this week. Her name is Adrienne Smith. Uh, like I mentioned before, she is a like the epitome of a badass entrepreneur slash sports superstar. I had the chance to talk with Adrienne uh, for a long sort of investigative story I did on women's uh, football and how women are playing across the country, thousands of women playing tackle, full-on, shoulder pad, knocking you on your butt football. Um <laughs> And they're actually paying to play. So I talked with many different football players and coaches across the country. And Adrienne was one of my favorite to chat with. Not only is she from New York, where we're from, too. um, She she commutes, actually, to Boston in order to play the sport she loves so much. 
And on the side, she has a few side gigs. She has um, an entire media company and a blog called gridironqueendom.com. And I'll post a link to that in the blog. She also runs a hip-hop tour in Harlem, New York, which we're going to talk about. So I want to welcome to the show Miss Adrienne Smith. Thank you, Mandy. Happy. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Say hi, Tiff. Hey. <laughs> hey, Hi, Tiffany. Yeah. How are you? I was on your site and I was like, ooh. I so can't wait. Like, it's somebody. Um, I was on your Gridiron Queen okay. site. Okay, mm-hmm. good. So, Adrian, I want to start off by saying for people who don't know about the world of women's tackle football, which I realized after writing the story is like not very many people in the mainstream, like, what does it mean for you guys to pay to play football? Why are you doing that? Uh, it's, you, you know, some people will hear that and they'll be like, "Ugh, I can't believe, you know, they would actually do that or pay to, to, to do something like that. But for me, um, America is a great country and we have the privilege, we have the opportunity to uh, experience uh, a dream. So for me, and I know for thousands of other women throughout the country and honestly throughout the world, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to put money towards something you've wanted to do since you were a little girl. I mean, you've been playing for 10 years now, right? Right. I'm entering my 11th season. Talk to me about how much you've invested in playing so far. I think you you were talking about how much it costs to play internationally and represent the U.S. um, and, and just how incredibly expensive that can be. Right. So for international competition, um, and this is where I'm on the, the U.S. women's tackle football team okay. and on the U.S. women's flag football team. So we're competing uh, internationally against other countries, kind of like the Olympics. But there is no funding for us. So a lot of the women fundraise or you know, for me, I'm just taking money from my other jobs and putting it towards my expenses, which run the gamut of, you know, we have to cover our own flights to, say, Sweden or to Finland. Um, we have to cover uh, uniforms, all of that. And for internationally, uh, I probably have spent over $15,000 to, to represent the United States uh, to come back with some gold medals in uh, women's tackle football and some silver medals in women's flag football. And uh, domestically, in terms of, you know, every year playing within the, uh, the women's league here in the United States, easily a couple thousand dollars just in player fees that you have to pay towards the team and then travel expenses, equipment, food, lodging, that type of thing. Ouch. I would love to know like when, because clearly if the, it's not money that's motivating you to, to play the sport, it's the love of it. When, how old were you? Do you remember when did you fall in love with football? Well, I'm told that when I was, three years old, I kind of vaguely remember this, Tiffany. Mm -hmm. I had this teddy bear named Ginger. He was a boy. I don't know why I named him Ginger. Anyway, (laughs) my dad brought him back um, for me from one of his business trips. And I fell in love with Ginger and Ginger and I were the same size. So this was a pretty big, you know, pretty big teddy bear. And Mm -hmm. apparently I used to set Ginger up on the floor in the living room in front of the television and tackle him while football was playing on TV. So that's, I don't know where all that came from, but, you know, clearly I just had this urge to just be a part of what I was seeing. Mm. And then, you know, my love didn't, it didn't go away. And uh, I remember when I was seven years old, my dad got me a Nerf football for Christmas and he taught me how to throw. And, you know, my mom, she's had great hands, so she taught me how to catch. And so just growing up in the neighborhood, I would play with the boys in the neighborhood and then. My mom comes from a large family, so I have a lot of cousins and had a large mm. group of male cousins. And every summer when we would go to Arkansas, I would play with them and just it, it no one ever said you can't do it because you're mm. a girl. So I just kept going. And but obviously like for me in, in junior high school and high school, I was involved in other sports. So uh, softball, basketball. I didn't start really playing tackle football until I became an adult. Otherwise, I was playing flag football in high school and in college. Wow. So three years old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's been a minute. Excuse me, I got to sip on my tea for my Wonder Woman cup. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome, though. I just love when, you know, everyone is not super fortunate to find that thing that drives them. 
and or at least to be able to identify it clearly the thing that like one of my friends played uh professional basketball um uh she's six two six three and she just you can just tell when she plays i mean we played outside we've like i've seen her play like we volunteered in haiti i've seen her play like at summer camps when we were out there and the the look on her face when she plays just like you can just tell it's just about the game and how much she enjoys it and so it's just really fortunate that you found that thing that makes your heart beat faster yes and and it's interesting you bring that up because you Tiffany, you just reminded me of something. Like for me, the probably the past decade, decade and a half, honestly, have been really tough. I've experienced a lot of loss mm-hmm. um, in terms of just family members passing away and just a whole bunch of other stuff we don't need to get into right now. But I noticed that I, you know, I tell people that football kind of saved my life because mm-hmm. it was the only time that I didn't feel pain. It was the only time where I, I wasn't succumbing to, you know, depression. Um, so for me, it was almost like a lifeline. It was it was a point in time, whether it was practice or during the games, where I, I could feel euphoria. I felt joyous. I was, I was focused on a single task or a single goal. And it definitely was an outlet that has helped me get through some of the toughest times of my life. You know, I think what's exciting and just speaking to all the I mean, I spoke to women across the country, women football players for this story. And I and I feel like what was really um, gave me the warm and fuzzies just talking to you guys was how you talked about your teammates and one another. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anybody who's ever said that women can't be friends and women are competitive um, and don't want to support one another. I feel like all they need to do is just go to one of your games and see you working so well together. That's you know, that's that's really true. And. I've never been a believer in that. I've, I've played team sports since I was in the third grade, and for me, uh, being an only child, my my team my team became my family. So, um, like even now, if any of my my high school teammates, junior high teammates, college teammates, regardless of the sport, called me up and needed something, I'd be there for them. There's yeah. certain bonds that that form. When you are, you know, you're spending so much time together and your success relies on the other person and vice versa. And especially, especially in football, because it is such a physical sport that you are at times going into battle. And so you you can come away injured if your teammate does not do what she's supposed to do. So I think more so even in my my softball um, experience and my basketball experience. Uh, football really forges strong bonds because the risks are so much higher. You know, I I was just thinking because I uh, through my research for this story, I read a study, a really uh, by a, a renowned group of researchers who found that people, especially women who participate in group sports, team sports, um, younger in their lives, are way more successful in their careers. Yes, and climbing the corporate ladder. Do you feel like playing football has helped you build your businesses? Oh, yes. First of all, I think I've read that study or something similar as, as well. And it's true. Sports for, for girls help us develop certain, I think, skill sets that may be lacking um, in terms of general society or what one would gain from the educational system. But definitely for football, I mean, Gridiron Queendom is a business that uh, I gave birth to because of football. Uh, and then um, just the, the international experience that I've gained representing our country has uh, increased my network exponentially in terms of the people that I know throughout the world and just giving me unique insights and and opening certain doors that just would not have existed if I did not play football. You know, if I had played, continued to play basketball or continued to play softball, those are uh, territories that, are, that have, you know, kind of already been um, navigated, uh, so to speak. So there's nothing really new, but I'm, I'm forging new ground and, you know, cutting away uh, all these these weeds and these trees when it comes to to football. So, yes, most definitely it has had a tremendous impact on on my business mindset and the creation of, of a new business. Well, what would oh, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, so, Adrian, what would you say if to maybe there's a girl in middle school or high school and she wants to play what's traditionally thought of as a male or boy sport? 
and you know she's not exactly getting you know the support of her family and friends like what advice would you give because you know that's such a mandy and Mm -hmm. i were talking about earlier that the most what do we say 15 is when your most depressed stage in life oh yeah research show 15 year old girls that's their that's their lowest point and so you're already like as a teenager you know or preteen going through so much what advice Mm -hmm. would you give to that that young woman or someone who's raising somebody who's kind of like that young woman Right. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. And the um, kind of the hashtag that we always use for gridiron queendom when we post anything on social media or kind of like the mantra uh, for the company is just girl play football. That's it. Just girl play football. That's it. Uh, for me, again, my, my view on the world might be I'm not looking through rose colored glasses over here and life's tough. Like, it's just tough being female. It's tough being a black female. It's just hard. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have some of that tough love in terms of get over it, get used to it, woman up. And if it's in your heart to do something, and again, that desire is positive. It's not something that's that's going to be negative or is going to tear down other people. Pursue it. You know, I'm of the firm belief that, I'm not trying to get too, too deep here, but there is kind of a spiritual battle going on between good and evil. And when you have someone, a young girl who, who wants to do something from the pureness of her heart, you know, there's an adversary, there are things set up that are going to try to stop you from achieving that goal. And all you have to do is continue to push through. Resiliency is a word I don't think people use enough persistence is a word I don't think we hear enough and discipline. I mean, we're in this day and age, this microwave society where you've got, you know, 15 seconds on Instagram or you put your little dinner into the microwave and you've got like a meal in a a minute and a half. And that's not what real life is about when it comes to pursuing excellence and achieving something that no other people have the vision for. Um, so to that 15 year old girl or to that 55 year old woman who still feels as if she can't go to college or she can't do this or that, suck it up and stay true to what's in your heart. It is going to be difficult. Excellence is always difficult. There is no easy way around it. You know, people look at me, and they're like, oh, how do you stay in shape? I want a six pack, too. And I'm like, look, you can either talk about it and wish for it, or you can come with me to the gym. And I have yet to have one person come with me to the gym. I feel like I would be scared to go to the gym with you. (laughs) (laughs) No, but let me get in shape first, and then I'll call Adrian. (laughs) And you know, it's so crazy, Mandy, because it's like just what we were talking about Mm -hmm. that. So Mandy and I were talking about earlier, um, Mm -hmm. how some, some people think that when things are hard, it means they're not working. Right. And oh we have goodness. got, you know, cause you're just like, I was telling her the story about like, um, how I was watching like part of a documentary of how Jaws, like, you know, that famous movie Jaws. Mm-hmm. The, so Steven Spielberg, apparently the Jaws shark didn't work the whole movie. He had to literally reinvent the movie mid taping. Wow. And like, and it was just a number of things that went wrong and it ended up being one of the most iconic movies, American mm-hmm. movies times and he could have said you know what the shark is not working we're canceling this we're gonna move on but he had to readjust and understand that difficult times are part of the road to success that falling is not failing no it's not and it's you know and so just like for you to come on you just gave me chill because i'm just like oh i wish more people could get that that like it's supposed to look like this. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be hard. There's supposed to be moments where you're just like, man, I just don't even know what I'm going to do next. That's part of the road to success. Yes. Well, I think it's a lot what Adrian's saying. You don't hear a lot of inspirational Instagram posts and quotes about sucking it up. It's going to be hard. All you see is, you know, uh, follow your dreams and live your passion and make a vision mm-hmm. board. And, you know, <laughs> you don't see the blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, you're right. Adrian, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned persistence and mm-hmm. one of the stories we talked about that stuck out in my mind is how you um, got recognition. You got invited to the White House and yes. you you got to meet President Obama, right, at the, at the yes, White House? Yes, and First Lady Michelle, yes. Wow. No, no big deal. <laughs> what was that like? How did you make that happen? Because you did. You just made it happen, right? Well, it's, again, you can say – 
I made it happen, or it can be considered this four-year process that I had no clue would end up there. So when the, the first U.S. women's uh, national tackle team that ever existed was in 2010, we go to Sweden, we kick everybody's butt, and we win the gold medal. We come back, and I'm like, um, hello, you know, where's our ticker tape parade or, you know, where's something? No media, no press, nothing. No one knew it occurred. So I said, you know what, this isn't right. You know, we've, we've got to at least get some type of recognition. And the first thing that came to my mind was the White House. Not the so, local paper. Not the, just, <laughs> the White no, House. Not the, no, that's, we'll see. That's the other thing. I think big. Like, I can't, <laughs> I don't know what thinking small is. So whatever. We're going, the White House, that's what you do. You know, that's what happens with the men's teams when they get the Super Bowl win or the, you know, the World Series win. It's the White House. So I said, well, hey, we just did something that is groundbreaking, not only in women's sports history, but just in football history. No other team has done what we just did. None of our opponents scored on us. Our defense was Trump tight. It was just incredible. So, you know, I try not to be too verbose here. Anyway, so 2010, July, I come back. I'm like, hmm, White House, how do I do this? So I... um call up two of my best girlfriends from college. One works for the Department of Justice, the other one's in the Foreign Service. And I'm like, hey, you know, Tomika Karima, this is what I need to do. And so they give me advice about who do I need to reach out to, blah, blah, blah. So after four years <laughs> of emailing people, following up, researching, phone calls. Now, meanwhile, we've had another Women's World Championship, this time in Finland, where, again, the women's team um, won another gold medal. So it's two teams later and I'm still trying to make something happen. So finally, after you know, all this kind of diligence, uh, I get contacted by the White House uh, representatives asking me to participate if I want to volunteer as an athlete uh, representing uh, women's football um, and help out with the uh, activities going on on the White House lawn for the Easter egg roll. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'll do that again. Just willing to just help out and have fun with kids. So I show up early in the morning. I take the earliest time slot available. I think it was 7 a.m. And then help out with the kids. And then um, my quote unquote handler, she's like, okay, we're going to go into the White House. We're going to take pictures. And so I'm like, okay, that's great. Again, I had no idea, ladies, what was happening. Just following, doing what I'm, what I'm being told. Next thing you know, I get this slip, slip of paper that tells me what uh, number line uh, I'm in. So I go in line and I'm waiting, and then all of a sudden it, I hear, "What is that? Is that President Obama's voice? What is going on?" And then it's it's just my name's being called, and here I am. There they are, and I'm just like, "Oh my goodness, hi, <laughs> President Obama, President Obama's like, well, hello." And all I could think of was, "Do you want to try on my championship rings?" <laughs> what? That's what you, we went from high. Wait, I'm like, you went what? From high I don't even know what to proposing. say. I'm like. You want to try my rings? And he just, he's like, oh, now you're just showing off. And I'm just like, oh, well, well, okay. And so then I just, I go to um, extend my hand um, to First Lady Michelle. And she just looks at me. And I just look at her and I, we have this this moment. And then she just, she, she opens up her arms and she just gives me a hug. And I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, is she a good Amazing. She I had no idea. Hugger. They are absolutely, as we, as we all know, I mean, super well-educated, phenomenal. It's just the perfect balance between humility and royalty. That's that's the impression I was left with. Okay. Is this moment captured? Is there a photo? Is there a video? Please. I have a yes. photo for sure. Yes. That's nice. Yes. And photo. were you guys invited back this year or last year? I was invited two, two years. So that year, so that was 14 and then 2015. So two years in a row. Yes. That's awesome persistence persistence and again people you know again so this is a good story so i finally get the picture of the three of us and i post it on i change it to my um my facebook what do you call it the horizontal picture i can't background cover photo thank you cover photo and then boom all of a sudden you know everything lights up i'm getting all these messages oh my gosh when did this happen how was this what did you do? Da, da, da. And when I start telling people, well, it all started back in 2010 when I had no idea. I was just trying to get some recognition for women's football. No one wants to hear that. 
They don't want to hear that. They just want to know what, what can I do to just, you know, make this picture happen. And I'm like, well, I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't seek for it to happen. I was seeking to bring recognition to the hard work that the women on my team did. So it's been since that moment, since you started this venture to get to the White House five years, what do you feel like has changed? Has anything changed in the sport since then? Is there more recognition? You told me that you still carry photos and video on your phone when people don't believe that tackle football for women exists. Yeah, so I I do that. It just helps to um, differentiate when I say I play football, uh, real football, as opposed to the lingerie football league. I don't want people to confuse um, me as, as being a player for that league. Um, and yes, the landscape has changed tremendously with uh, my, my good friend, and we've been t- teammates on two national teams, Jen Welter, with her being uh, brought on board uh, by the Arizona Cardinals as the first female um, NFL coach. So that's been absolutely tremendous and has shined a spotlight on um, the fact that you know, women can be more than just fans of the NFL and wear pink jerseys, that we actually understand the game and to the point where we can coach other people. So uh, she's come on board. The Buffalo Bills have hired uh, a female coach as well. Um, and then we have the first full-time um, female referee in the NFL that occurred uh, last season as well. So things have been shifting. I think there's a, a little more of a light that's um, shining on women in the sport. You know, I got to give a shout out too to Jen Welter because it was my conversation with her for a different story that led me to find out that there's women across, 3,000 women across the country paying to play tackle football just for the love of the game. Um, And that's sort of where this all came from. So thank you, Jen. She's like the very godmother of the sport, it feels like. (laughs) That's that's my girl, Jen. And I remember, quick story, we were... uh, it was, it was training camp in 2010 in Texas, it's like a thousand degrees. And I was trying to get a spot. I was trying to, you know, become the starting wide receiver. And I remember catching a slant and Jen, who's all about five, two, um, I was like, Oh, okay. Let me just get a couple extra yards. I've got this pass. Let me get a couple extra yards. And I saw her and I'm like, ah, she's five, two. I got this. Boom. She hit me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what? I could have just, I could have just stayed with that catch and gone down, and it would have been okay. So, uh, Welter's no joke. Okay, she is the real deal. Don't sleep on Welter. Don't, just don't. Do yourself a favor and wake up. Well, Adrian, where if if you are if you've never heard of women's tackle football and you are interested in finding out how you can get involved or go see a game, where would you uh, tell people to go? Uh, the first place just to get an overall understanding would be gridironqueendom.com. Um, that site, uh, it's my site, and it focuses on not only uh, the women's leagues in the United States, but around the world. There are a lot of women playing in Europe and uh, Australia as well, uh, Asia, South America. There's a lot going on. And then if you want to drill down even uh, further on the domestic level, the, the main league is the Women's Football Alliance. So that would be WFAfootball.net. Awesome. And you guys just had your first game, right? The first game of the we season. We sure did. And I'm sitting here um, really struggling about whether or not I'm going to go lift after we talk right now. I'm so <laughs> sore. <laughs> well, I will not be lifting. So if you want to use me as an excuse. <laughs> okay. You're not going to lift. Well, I think I have to lift. Have I'll game. lift my butt out of this chair. <laughs> I know, right? No, but I've been getting back to working out. I just like, my trainer is like a beast. I call her the beast, even though she's like 5'1". And she's like, so deadlifts. I'm like, wait, what? What's a deadlift? She's like, you'll see. (laughs) And so, but it's been awesome though. And because you're right, women, um, she really is into like lifting. And whenever we go to the quote unquote guy section of the gym, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like, hey. And she's like, yeah, so I'm going to need you to move as we use the machine. Thanks. (laughs) And so it's just dope to see, like, you know, women out there just, like, and then when they see her, they're like, she's not going to be able to lift this. She's a beast. And she just, I was afraid, like, oh, you know, if I lift, I'm going to get so big and bulky. But not at all. She's just, like, you you know. And what's wrong with that? I just don't want to be big and bulky. But she is (laughs) shredded. And, like, yeah, she's just dope because I just like the fact that she just, like, I remember a guy came up to us in the gym. And he was like, you know, 
you really should box. And he was like, I'll get you some pink gloves. She's like, actually, yeah. So I can use black gloves or whatever <laughs> color they come in. I don't need pink gloves. If we're going to box, I'm going to box. And so, yeah, it's just funny how men look at women when it comes to uh, physical strenuous activity. And I'm just glad that you're out there changing that perception. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you do any quick workout tips? What is your workout regimen like? And you are completely self-disciplined. You don't have, you know, these expensive NFL trainers and coaches keeping you well, in yeah, task. No, I, I, um, I am disciplined, but I do. I've been working out. Um, so two years ago, you could follow her on Instagram. Follow the Lita, L-I-T-A, uh, Lita Lewis. So I met her a couple years ago, and I was just inspired. I had never been trained by a woman before. And so she put me on a program, and I immediately saw a difference. And I've been following that, uh, like I said, the past two seasons. And I just sent her a text today because I had some, you know, I, I did pretty well in our game on Saturday. I had a 30-yard uh, catch for a touchdown, and I'm really proud I had a 75-yard uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. So – Whereas I'm not necessarily in the gym with a trainer uh, all the time. I do consult with Lita and then um, another trainer. He's a former NFL uh, wide receiver. His name is Curtis Williams. Um, You can find him on Instagram too, Curtis Williams 17. Uh, And so I'll do his classes sporadically. He had a speed class a couple weeks ago, just kind of like touching base and just, just trying to hone different things. But for me, um, you know, I'm I'm in the I'm doing something physical five out of seven days a week. Work, yes, work. that's what it takes. Work, 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 work. I know, right? Nobody knows. <laughs> no one knows the words. <laughs> well, some people, hot. Shout right? Out to my, guy, <laughs> my Bayesian friends are like, I know the words. I'm like, okay, well, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I read the lyrics and I still don't know the words. Well, somebody uh. to give a little YouTube tutorial about that. That'd be great. Well, Adrian, where can people find you? I see. You're, I know you're on Instagram and Twitter. Share, share your handle so people can find you and follow you and follow the Boston Renegades. Sure. Uh, follow me at Adrian the Ten. So A D R I E N N E T H E one zero. My jersey number is ten. So Adrian the Ten. That's my Instagram um, and Twitter handles. That's pretty much, you'll get everything from that. If you want to follow my team, Boston Renegades, we are on Instagram as at Boston Renegades. And we're on Twitter as Go Renegades, G-O Renegades. Well, you've been really inspirational. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like you are exactly what Brown Ambition is all about, honestly. I agree. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.